0: Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and this is Short Stuff. And this is a good one, because we are squeezing it in. Five Lazarus species animals starting now.
1: Right. If you're wondering uh, what a Lazarus species is, we've talked about it before with the first entry that we'll talk about in a second, but... Uh, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in the Bible, if you believe that stuff. Mm -hmm. And a Lazarus species is an organism that has been brought back from extinction or that we thought, rather, was extinct. Not one that's, like, threatened and we do a good job with it. Mm -hmm. But people are like, well, there's no more of those. And then years later, someone's like, oh, my gosh, there's another one of those. Right. And we actually did a whole episode on one of these
0: already, the coelacanth.
1: That's right, that's what I was referring to, number one.
0: Yeah, it has like an amazing story behind it, which we'll briefly go over again, because um, it has four lobes, meaning it had like kind of these proto-limbs, and when they found it first in the fossil record in the 19th century, it was, you know, a 400-million-year-old fossil, and they're like, Mm -hmm. this is the missing link between you know, animals in the sea and animals on the ground. And we love the coelacanth for this reason, but it's long dead. I think the the most recent fossil they'd found was from 66 million years ago. So we just thought it was another very, very interesting prehistoric
1: fish. Right. And it was very sad to not be able to study those in modern times. Mm -hmm. And then, boom, not too modern, but in 1938... They caught one, uh, or they discovered one off the coast of South Africa, Mm -hmm. and that was a big, big deal. And then uh, since then, they've gotten quite a few more of these live specimens on record.
0: If I remember correctly, it was a woman scientist, too, who was the one who recognized it for what it was and was like, "Uh, this is a big deal.
1: Yeah, aren't they like... Not bottom dwellers, but they're pretty deep guys, right?
0: Yes. And I I remember they see them enough that now that we're like, okay, these are definitely not extinct. They're still around. I think they, yeah, they just don't inhabit areas we frequent very much.
1: And they're like, this is clearly not trying to grow arms and legs, but nice effort. (laughs) Right. So we got one under our belt, Chuck. What about the Takahi? The Takahi is native to New Zealand, one of our favorite places. Uh, Hello, our Kiwi friends. And this is a flightless bird that's a member of the rail family. It's very pretty, about the size of a goose. They're kind of blue-green. They're very pretty. They're really, really nice looking. And even from the beginning, they were really rare. I think they were discovered by European explorers in 1847, and they were never abundant.
0: No, apparently um, after the second specimen was found, only four were found in the 19th century. And When the guy who found the second one described it, um, he said that there's th- there, these are gone. Like, this, uh, whatever I just found is maybe the last of it. He said it's unlikely any further living specimens will be found. Um, and that was that. They closed the book on it. But um, 50 years later, there was another guy, a guy named Jeffrey Orbell, who was like, I, I for some reason, I cannot accept that the uh, Takahe, uh, Takahi is just gone forever and set out searching for him.
1: Yeah, I mean it's amazing, and and, and I'm glad people like Jeffrey Orbell are out there because uh, Jeffrey Orbell found one of these things mm-hmm. on uh, the South Island in 1948 of New Zealand, and you know this kind of brings up something we did mention at the beginning, like how can science be wrong about something being extinct? And you know it's it's fairly easy to happen. You know the world is a big place, the Earth is a big place, mm-hmm. and they do their best. But, you know, at a certain point, when something isn't around for a certain amount of time, they get together and they feel comfortable saying this thing is extinct. And, you know, if it comes back to life as a Lazarus species, then that's great. Uh, it's not like science hangs their head in shame, like oh, no, the sea right. is back. Yeah, but um, it is sometimes tough to see, especially if it's a rare thing to begin with. If they're truly extinct,
0: yeah, the International Union for Conservation of Nature is the ones responsible for declaring something endangered or extinct in the wild and their definition of extinct is that when there's no reasonable doubt that the last individual has died when exhaustive surveys in known and or expected habitat at appropriate times diurnal seasonal annual throughout its historic range have failed to record an individual so it's not just like nobody's reported one of these things for a while it's like they go out and really try to find it and if they can't find it they're like i guess it's extinct then they hang their heads in shame
1: That's right. I saw a great meme the other day that's very appropriate for these times here in the United States. Uh, Something about science is not truth. Science is the search for truth. Hmm. Uh, And basically when things, it was much more succinct than this, but um, (laughs) when things change, science continues to search for that truth. It's not flipping and flopping Hmm. on the truth. Right. Let's just leave it at that and take a commercial break. (laughs)
0: Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same day appointments, and if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24 7 virtual care. No waiting in pharmacy lines with people who probably all have something worse than whatever you're there for.
1: Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful. It's easy. It's easy.
0: showcased site.
1: So just go to squarespace.com stuff and you're going to get a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use our offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Okay, Chuck, so we're back
0: with Mm, I think my favorite. It's my favorite, too. Good. We're talking about the Lord Howe Island stick insect.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, not boy. A, not a
0: great name. There's <laughs> a better name for it, don't you think?
1: Yeah, leave it to Australia to uh, have an insect called a tree lobster. <laughs> um, Lord Howe Island is is off the coast of Australia, kind of midway between Brisbane and Sydney. Mm-hmm. And these things uh, were very common, on Lord Howe Island out there in the Pacific. And this is a really interesting story. There was a shipwreck off the uh actually kind of on the island mm-hmm. and everybody knows that ships, especially back in the olden days, I think it was sixteen or nineteen eighteen. Uh this is nineteen twenties, but they were off by a few years. We're just full of rats. And these rats descended upon the island and really, really overtook this island in a big way.
0: They were like tree lobsters, delish. Yeah. So they actually ate all the tree lobsters on the island. Ate them all. The rats did. The rats um, had no natural predators on the island, so their population boomed. And they also ate to extinction all sorts of bird species, lizard species, a bunch of other ones. But in particular, this tree lobster, which you don't find elsewhere. And they thought, like, this thing was just endemic only to Lord Howe Island. So shortly after the 20s, they were like, the Lord Howe Island stick insect is now extinct. But then they were very surprised um, in 1960 when they found a few corpses. They were corpses, but they weren't like obviously 40-year-old desiccated corpses. They were fairly (laughs) fairly recent corpses. So they're like, wait a minute, these things are still around. And I guess somebody thought to go look on another nearby island. It's uh, like Pyramid Island, I believe, something like that. And they found a new population of these things, just a handful, but a few of them perched in a tea tree on the highest point of this island nearby.
1: That's right. And so they started breeding them in captivity and training them to be able to raise their middle finger Mm -hmm. because they have undertaken the Lord Howe Island Rodent Eradication Project where they are spreading 42 tons of poison cereal pellets and 28,000 bait stations across the island to rid this island of those rats. And this was a couple of years ago in 2019. And uh, the most recent article I read said that sometime this year, they were going to reintroduce, uh, like, all the rats should be gone. Uh, and if there are any few rats left, these tree lobsters can go back and give them the finger.
0: Very nice. They're spreading poison quisp on the island Ooh. for the rats. It's oh. just irresistible.
1: Oh, man, I'd have a hard time. With that, too, you'd
0: <laughs> <know. He'd> be <laughs> like, "I know it's poisonous, but I just can't help myself."
1: I know. If it was Captain Crunch peanut butter, forget about it. I'm a dead man.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, there's another one. Uh, hats off to Lord Howe Island stick insect. We're going to take our leave and wish it luck, and head on over to Peru, where the Peruvian yellow-tailed woolly monkey was thought to have been extinct. It was first described in 1812, just from a pelt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Warm, <laughs> Soft. I, I think so. Yeah, uh, a little yellowish. Um, but then, uh, only just a, a few times in the, the century that followed had they actually been seen and described by travelers, um, I guess scientists in Peru. Uh, and then the last one was seen until in 1926. And by that point, the science was like, I think these things are, are gonzo.
1: That's right, but not so, because in 1974. They found one in Brazil, and this Mm -hmm. was being kept as a pet, and it turns out these things were being kept as pets kind of in different places all over the world, and this is one really interesting case where the illegal pet trade kind of brought, uh, in a roundabout way, something back from extinction.
0: Yeah, they think there's maybe fewer than a 1,000 of them in the wild, which is still not terribly bad considering something was considered extinct for a little while, but apparently it was, and this is kind of like um, one of the definitions of a Lazarus species, it was news to science that this thing yeah. was not extinct. But to the local population in Peru who lived, you know, in these in the area, the same area as these monkeys, they were well aware that these things were around. They just hadn't heard the science, didn't know, or else I'm sure they would have told somebody. That's right. Uh, what about, this is my second favorite, Chuck, what about you?
1: I can't believe we're going to do five in a shorty, but here we go with the robust red horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pale pink, uh, has pale pink fins, it's sort of stout, and it's, you know, it's not very remarkable looking. If you look at a robust red horse, you think that thing is misnamed because it's just sort of plain looking.
0: It's an ug fish is what they should call it.
1: Yeah, it's not the best looking fish.
0: It's got a great Latin name, Moxostoma robustum.
1: <laughs> it's a good band name. Yeah. Or maybe an album title.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prog rock for sure. Or maybe like a, like a mastodon album.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, this was first described by uh, Edward Drinker Cope, mm-hmm. a naturalist from Europe in 1870, um, based on just this one fish that he found in a river in North Carolina. Uh, and unfortunately, that fish was destroyed because that was the last one that anyone saw for 122 years.
0: Yeah, so everybody's like, well, it's extinct. We're not even sure it ever exactly lived. we got to take this Cope fella's word for it. And he's popped up before. I can't put my finger on it, but we've talked about him before. But then in 1980, 1985, and then I believe also in 1991, people started reporting this. and Somebody was like, you know what? I think that that is Cope's robust red horse fish uh they started finding them in the Savannah and Petey Rivers in Georgia and uh South Carolina I think and um so they they actually made a deliberate effort they launched an effort uh 20 years ago to find some mating pairs of the robust red horse in the Savannah River and um, basically start breeding them in ca- captivity and I read that I think in 2015, Chuck, they released some, and they recently identified the first wild juveniles that had been born to this restored population of robust red horses.
1: Amazing. Big comeback.
0: Great? Huge comeback from the dead, basically. Yeah, I love it. Same here. So uh, that's it for short stuff, everybody. If you want to look up some more Lazarus um Species, then they're out there and it's thrilling. Every single one has a great story behind it, so go amuse yourself with that. In the meantime, short stuff says goodbye.
1: Stuff you should know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeart radio visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.